everyone, and welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast, your birth for the best stories in boating. Each week, my colleagues and I will bring you everything from salty stories to thought-provoking trend discussions, as well as interviews with the most interesting characters to ply the sea. Whether you're listening from the boatyard, your slip, or hopefully well underway, we're glad to have you aboard. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. Joined IRL, in real life with Charlie Levine. It's an acronym. I learned it. Nice. Thank you. Joined by Charlie Levine and Simon Murray for the first time together in over at least a year. No screens. Yes. No screens. That's really what you guys look like. So tired looking. I know. God. It's sad. <laughs> so much sadder. <laughs> I don't feel as tired. Ah. Uh, Do I look you, tired? You look, it. So you look exhausted. Real life does a number to your face. It is draining. Without that afternoon nap, I'm slow. But anyway, I thought a good opportunity to pick up the podcast, which we actually launched really in the heart of the pandemic as a way to keep connected and, and keep bringing out great content, content to the readers. And it feels like we're at a really funny crossroads right now of, you know, just all got vaccinated. It's probably a good time to plug our sponsor, Pfizer. Yes. This, this special edition of PMY Podcast is brought to you by Pfizer. From Viagra to vaccinations, we've got you covered. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. I don't know what our millions of readers, <laughs> listeners around the world are going to think, but uh, that was nice. But guys, yeah, we really are at a funny crossroads with, again, the vaccine coming out and finally getting back to chasing stories a little more freely here in real life. I mean, again, pretty amazing. You guys tackled a couple of stories together down in Florida, but the last time we all sat together was about uh, a year and two months ago. That's a wow. bit of a trip, huh? It's insane. It's funny. I was just thinking, like, time has never – the day-to-day has gone so slow over, the, over this pandemic. But at the same time, the, the year seems to, in some ways, have gone by really fast. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Yeah, fast and very slow is the, yeah. probably the easiest way to try to phrase that. I also don't know where to look because usually I'm so inclined to just stare at the screen in some direction. It's You kind of lose the – yeah The, the eyes. Yeah. Look into the eyes. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do with my hands without the keyboard and the right. mouse. I'm not checking email at the same time, and God, that feels nice. The timing's great, though. I mean, summer's coming. We are, I, I mean, I wouldn't say we're free to roam, but mm-hmm. the sense of, of getting out there safely is reality again, and it, mm-hmm. it feels good. I just got off a plane for the first time in a year, which was a little surreal at first, but really not that bad or not that worrisome. You've flown a few times, Simon. Yep. Um, in a lot of ways, it felt good to mm-hmm. just be able to get to Connecticut in a couple hours. Sure. And here we are, and there's boats around, and people are getting ready for their season. I think the timing's perfect. In some ways, it really reminds me, I've, talk, I've used this reference before, but the Wizard of Oz, when you kind of you land in Oz and things are back in color, that's really how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling pumped up and, and excited. You know, We're just putting the finishing touches on our summer issue, which – Looks great and, and ships here in another day or two. And uh, talking about future issues and adventures we're going to chase and stories we're going to report on, really feeling pretty rejuvenated. Yeah, it's a great feeling. I mean, just gearing up for whatever comes next. Uh, I know we're all kind of plugging away on different stories. You know, as Charlie just mentioned, the idea of travel without having to wear like a military grade, you know, face shield is a mm-hmm. nice thought. And I'm mm-hmm. really excited for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we all have different stories to look forward to, and that's a really good feeling because I haven't felt that for months, if not <laughs> almost a year. Yeah. 
yeah. it's nice to have some stuff to look forward to. Yeah, it, it feels it feels also like I'm really looking forward to the to kind of like reuniting, whether that's other members of our team. I mean, certainly looking forward to seeing uh, Carly Sisson and Bill Pike at the next one of these, but you know, seeing some of our other friends in the industry and and just reconnecting without that element of fear, kind of always always lurking in your wake. That should be fun. So, you know, one guys, I thought one thing would be fun to talk about today, again, now that we are in person, is to talk a little bit about the day in the life of a marine journalist. It's it's something that I get asked quite a bit. You know, there's a lot of, I'll just call them misconceptions about what exactly is that we do. So uh, maybe I'll just throw it out to you guys. If anyone wants to take first crack, what what do we do? What is our job? Our job. HR, I mean, we have HR a pretty, better stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a fun gig. It is definitely still work. There are long days, and it's not all mimosas and palm tree beaches and big giant yachts, but there is some misconceptions there, you know. I mean, I tell my dad what I do, or, oh, yeah, I got to go to Palm Beach and hit the boat show, and, you know, mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, boo-hoo. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... I think you're right. There's a lot of misconceptions. What do you think, Simon? Oh, you uh, you have to go tour a very expensive yacht on your on your what Tuesday afternoon? It's like, yeah, no sympathy for the the devil in this case. But yeah, no. Uh, a lot of my friends have no idea what I do or what we do. Um, they for a long time they would say like, oh, Simon's in the boat business now. But I think they would say that without even understanding. Like, we don't just get to play around in these boats. It's like I have to. Yes, I do get to play around. It's very fun, and there's hours of doing this, and it's, I, I'm having a great time putting the throttle down and hitting wide open, testing different boats. You know, really enjoying it. And then, uh, but then we have to go back and you know distill all this information that we've jotted down or kept in our memory because the boat's going way too fast to you know get a full sense of the notes, and your the pages are flying and trying to write it down at the same time. You know, but at the same time, I say that all of that is all very nitpicking things because it's very hard to poke holes at the great line of work that we've all found ourselves in. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think at the heart of it, we're journalists and we're writers and content creators and we are boat nerds and lovers of the ocean and being Mm -hmm. on the water. So it's a mix and it, it blends well. You know, I came from newspapers. My first gig was in a newspaper and... Death, murder, rape, mayhem—that's just not my bag, you know. <laughs> sure, you seem like that I, kind of you guy. Smile, you smile while it. you say it. That's—I have a lot of respect for those folks who can go out and report on those things. But I mean, to go out fishing or boating and cross the Gulf Stream, and that I can do, and I can wax on about it. So I, pre- I feel pretty fortunate. It's also not to kind of, you know, try to elicit any kind of sympathy or. I don't know. I don't know what the exact word would be, but like it does take one person to write objectively about those things that you mentioned, kind of like the dark side of reality. But then it also takes another kind of person that can write about the lighter things and make it interesting and compelling and entertaining. And I think that's a component of our job. I don't know, you know, how much there is to say about that, but it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I feel I feel very often, I don't know if you guys feel this way, that we have double lives, but, but even within our jobs themselves, it almost feels like a, a double life where there's nine times out of 10, you know, a typical day is waking up, you, you're hammering on the email, we're editing different stories that have come through from freelancers, working on layouts, posting to social media, 
getting our next stories lined up. I mean, that really is 90% of the gig, mm-hmm. but it's, it's that one other day that makes it all worth it. It's that one other day that is the reason why our friends will never have sympathy for, for our job. And, and it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to balance. Yes. No, that's true. And it's those perks that keep it, keep you coming back for more. You've got to kind of remember those days that are the really highlights of your career. And yeah, that's what makes it worthwhile. It's, you know, one, one thing that comes to mind is we talk a lot about the boat shows and, and certainly, I mean, that's, I know where I grumble the most. I'll, I'll, I'll tell my wife, it's like, man, you get these early days. I, you know, I walked 11 miles and you kind of get this look of like, yeah, you're not getting sympathy from me. You're down in Florida. I'm in I shoveled out from a blizzard. Sure. And and those days were really, I mean, grinding it out and, and hustling, hitting hitting the docks. But one one day sticks in my mind from the last Miami show, and that was the last show we were together at. And I just remember all day hitting the docks, going to press conferences, trying to line up stories. But we we took one break where we got to go out on the Brabus with uh, Captain Bill and JT. And this was Valentine's Day morning, so we had this fun idea, like we were going to do a, a breakfast date with the guys and, and take out this 40-plus knot boat. Uh, it, was, it was Captain Crunch flying, Captain Captain Bill, I just remember laugh, laughing his butt off, and Simon was at the helm, and it was just one of those like great moments of your job. Like We were only out in the water for an hour, but it was like just jammed in to this really business-like day where you got to like basically be kids for, for an hour on the water, and... Uh, I come back to that a lot over this past year of reminding myself why we do this. And that's really the magic that if, if the day is done well and, you know, you, you do all the logistics and the planning and that's kind of the end result that you're talking about, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, I don't know, do we want to hint at things that we've got planned and lined up in the, the near future? I mean, that, yeah, because you're saying that it just mm-hmm. makes me think of like, that's what we look forward to, I think, in this profession more than more than anything. And I, and I think that's where we needed a little bit of grit and perseverance in this, in this past year. Cause I mean, again, by nature, none of us are enjoy being desk dwellers. It's not what we get up in the morning and, and drives us. And we had a long stretch there where we didn't have any assignments on the calendar for me. It was first time, you know, in my career, but uh, I think now that we have some things on the calendar, I think it's absolutely, if you, if you got something you want to tease out, uh, any good adventures on the horizon? Well, do you want me to go first? I think Charlie's got the best one. Not to put you on the spot, Charlie. Well, but... well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I need to let the cat out of this bag. Just it's kind of some top secret stuff. Man. Okay, okay. It's, it's going to be big. I can elude. I can elude. But I may or may not be going hunting for treasure. That's. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and sunken treasure, of course. Of course. Submarines, of course. helicopters, mega yachts. I don't know. If it's sunk it. If it's sunken, Charlie's going to find it. There you go. I like it. Simon, what about you? What's on the calendar? Well, if we're going to tease, like, you know, top secret stories on the horizon, this one's going to be camping in one of the northernmost states in a beautiful national park that looks wonderful to, you know, on Google Images. I've never been there, so I can't speak to it. But for those reasons alone, I'm looking forward to taking a boat to a place that has, you know, get down and dirty written all over it. Mm. Well, that's a pretty decent segue. I mean, one of the, talk about getting down and dirty. One of the things pre-pandemic that I was really enjoying was the different tours of the boatyards, really getting to see these boats built, getting that access behind the scenes, what we're so lucky to have. And, you know, we, ha- we had a couple of stories in the works, and we have a couple on the horizon where we're really hoping to roll up our sleeves, 
get our hands dirty, learn about how these boats are built firsthand. And uh, we got a couple of those stories coming that I'm pretty psyched for. Well, I mean, as excited as we are to go out and start chasing some of these stories, fortunately or unfortunately, we have a summer issue to put to bed. We're shipping here in uh, another day or two, and we're just putting putting the final touches on it. But why don't we give readers a little taste of what they can expect from the summer issue? Charlie, I know you got a big you got a big feature in there. Yeah, it was well. I guess it's a feature, but a couple of years ago, I published a book. It's a humorous tale of a young man who just kind of fishes around the world. Spending his dad's money, having fun, finding himself, hmm. and uh, all fiction, right? This is clearly not a none of these stories yes. based, yeah, you know, based no. on the true character. No, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is purely fictional. the The main character's name is Parker McPhee. I am not Parker, but um, there's a few biographical things in there. You know, some of the early chapters, he talks about cruising on Long Island Sound and fishing with his dad, and so obviously, I pulled on some of my own life there, but. This particular chapter that we chose to run in the magazine is about tournament fishing and a few things go awry, so to speak, and there's almost a throwdown in the Dominican Republic. So to further smooth it out, I wrote the Ten Commandments of Fishing, which are rules to live by, which you'll have to pick up PMY to read. Charlie, not to give anything away, but this just dawned on me. Did that scenario specifically because i didn't ask you this i haven't i've never asked you this before has that did did that all just dawn on you and that was all just kind of creatively you know came to you in a lightning of inspiration or did you see anything like that in your days of fishing yes and yes wow (laughs) so i've traveled enough to know that each area you fish sort of has its own ways of doing things and one place that comes to mind is Isla Mujeres off of Cancun, Mexico, where guys go sail fishing and the sailfish are like um, balling up bait. So if you wanted to, you could show up with live bait and throw live baits in the balls of sailfish and just catch like ridiculous numbers. Were you to do that out there where everybody else trolls, you would get lambasted by the locals and you would lose friends if you had any. And if something went down on the dock and you needed help, nobody would help you. So there's sort of this like unspoken code of conduct, rules of the road. Um, And yeah, so I guess I was sort of thinking of that because in this particular chapter, there's one guy who doesn't share information as freely as some of the other captains do. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets him in trouble. And the retaliatory bag of sand in the salon? (laughs) Spoiler! (laughs) No spoilers, but... Oh, uh, it's fictional, <laughs> but there may or may have not been a bag of sand thrown across the marina at one point in some place here on the earth. Damn. Okay. Interesting. Well, and it was friggin' hilarious, man. So yeah, I had to write up something, but it, I totally fictionalized it loosely, loosely, loosely based maybe on some, some real guy. The guy, Teddy, like that, uh, the Aussie guy is is after my friend Tim Richardson. Tim, I hope you're out there listening, who's actually down in the DR right now. Now, the poor guy got stuck there during COVID, and wow. he's had a really long year. But it's opening back up, and the blue marlin are biting. So if you like to fish, please go fish with my friend Tim Richardson in the Dominican Republic. Talk about a plug. Uh, I, I'm so you're welcome, Wait a Tim. Second. Where do I get to take take him up on that? Traditioncharters.com. <laughs> well, it was really well written, Charlie. I mean, not to thanks. Have... No, you know, it was always a goal to write a book, and 
And honestly, Dan, I was honored when it was Dan's idea. He's like, you, we really need to put a chapter of this in the magazine. I was blown away. So, well, it's uh, it's it's a good endorsement of yours. I, I read the book as as we were considering bringing you onto the team. So it seems like it, it was a win win for all of us. But I, I gotta say, there's something in the water. I don't know if it's about this time of year, but you talk about aggressive stories and aggressive people. We got to we got to take a, a little bit of a, a sidestep and a jab over to our friend John Clark and the Jaguar story. We've talked about it before, but but for good reason. Simon, it's finally fun to see that story come to life. Yeah, no, I mean it was a great time getting to meet John. I think I hinted at it uh, on another podcast episode, but um, I, I don't want to give anything away really because John is a one of a kind guy. Uh, looking forward to having him on on a future episode. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that one. Definitely looking forward to, uh, to just chatting up this, you know, this iconic guy in the high performance catamaran racing world, building on the holes that his father raced way back when um, in the offshore uh, class. So yeah, I mean, yeah, really excited to, uh, to see that in print. Question though. Did you guys? Did you ever wrestle him or fight him on that mat? I mean, you're you're in a you're a good shape guy. You work out all the time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he looks scary. Like I don't think I'd want to cross that boy. The answer is no. Uh, a resounding <laughs> no. No, I uh, I went there uh, as the story kind of talks about. Trained a little bit with him, but did not do any sparring. Uh, I would have got my ass handed to me, no question. Uh, but I did get to watch him train a new MMA fighter, up-and-coming uh, guy, Kester the Question Mark, which is as far as nicknames wait, go. Wait, but that guy also helps lay up boats, right? Like, yeah. He's like laying fiberglass when he's not laying somebody out. Him and, That's so well said. Him <laughs> and his brother are uh, being trained by John Clark, who you know came up, was around his father, who was building boats when he was at a very young age. I think he was, he was uh, four years old, maybe, when he was helping wow. to lay fiberglass in the nose of one of these cats. Uh, so John has been, you know, came up through a, the racing shop. Uh, and now I'm not to give away John's age. That <laughs> seems kind of weird, but you know, decades later, now he's passing on the torch, teaching other young men in, in the ways of boat building. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool, uh, cool story. Well, the, here you talk about John and, and his father, Jack makes me think of, Legacy family boat builders and makes me think of the newest column to make its way into Power Rodeo. We we don't add columnists every day. It's you know normally we've had people stick with us for years and and sometimes for decades. But we added a new column with this issue that I'm really excited about. It's called Stem to Stern by Michael Rybovich, and the insight he brings, the authenticity as as a multi generational family boat builder of unbelievably beautiful boats. It's uh. I mean, the guy could flat out write. I mean, this this guy could bring the heat. It was really good, really, really good. And, and pulling, not just as a writer, but just the visuals of the boatyard and bringing all that to life. So much history comes from the Rybovich name mm-hmm. um, with the flying bridge and, you know, tuna towers mm-hmm. and fighting chairs. And just the modern day look of a sport fishing boat came from that family. Right. It's cool that... The tradition goes on, and, and it's really, really an honor to have him in the book. Well, it, it does, because so much is said about the Rybovich legacy and their and their roots, and, and now they're into the, uh, I believe it's the third generation boat builders. But what I'm really 
excited about is not just to cover their past, which is fascinating, but to kind of join Michael and his sons on the journey towards the future. What does Rybovich become in 2022 and, and the decades to come? It's really exciting to see what that family's producing. He's not a fan of ringtones. Don't, don't, don't show up with oh some God, Margaritaville ringtone. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> now, nah, Michael, we're, uh, we're, we're glad to have you in the mix, and I think he's fast going to become one of the most popular one of the most popular columns in, in the book. I, f- I feel a little intimidated, but he'll, he'll make us all better, too. Kind of unfair that, like, a guy who's incredibly well-known, like Charlie's saying, uh, for boat building is just, like, happens just to be a phenomenal writer. Uh, I'm, like, also an award, a bit, I'm also an award-winning writer. It's, I can't yeah. build a boat. What the hell? You're kind of, like, discrediting what we do, like, the years of experience that we've had to, you know, grind out to get to this point where we are. Just, like, oh, anybody could just step into it and just be, you know, like Charlie's saying, the... the the imagery that he produced from, you know, you could smell what he was referring to. Smells, the sounds, everything in the boatyard. Uh, yeah, it really transformed you, brought you right back to that that place. Well, maybe we could build boats like him. Maybe, no, maybe we no, should go no, down and try his job out. No <laughs> shot. But <laughs> I could maybe, thought. like, push a broom as well as he can. But <laughs> I, don't I, know. I don't know. I have a feeling he, got, he has us there, too. <laughs> no, and I mean, and I've met him here and there, and he's just a really nice guy, always smiling and just easy to be around. He, mm-hmm. d- he doesn't come off as uh, elitist or anything. He's just a, a good dude. So it's, That's awesome. it's really nice. Yeah. He strikes me as the the kind of guy when we were in talks about, you know, bringing this column to life, he, he's kind of a handshake and a look you in the eye kind of guy. And if, if he says something and shakes your hand, it's, it's going to, it's going to happen. It's uh I know, a little bit of a dying breed, it seems like. It's, it's nice to see. In that world, a lot of those big deals, I think, are still done that way. It's kind of amazing, right? It's 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 like heartwarming. I <laughs> wish more of the world was like that. Right. Well, you know, again, there's there's a lot to look forward to. We tr- we travel to La Paz. We profile a family that threw away their their land based possessions to explore life aboard, and we also have our stable of of new boats that we report on. You know, we have the uh, Charlie your Valhalla forty six story, the Nordhaven forty one, which is getting huge amounts of attention, and, and last but not least, a boat that you were both aboard, the Bertram 39. Yeah, that was a that was a good trip. I think that was the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, but that was the first time we were together for one of these, or at least maybe the second time. I think that was our first boat test. Yeah, I believe so. It was either that yeah. or... We, well, we did Viking together, too, I, and honestly, they were so close together. I don't remember which one. We talk about time being meaningless <laughs> during COVID. That's like yeah. a perfect example, but yeah. I mean, they were great back-to-back um, tests down in Florida. Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed by – I'd love to hear what your thoughts were because you were on the 50, right? I was on the 50 Bertram, which is an express boat. And okay. we were – yeah, we met up offshore and did some photo shoots and stuff. And I love the way the 39 rode. And it was interesting coming off the Viking because I think a lot of people would naturally, naturally want to compare the Valhalla 46 to the 39 – Bertram, but they're really different animals. It's different boats. Yeah, that's a good in a point. A lot of ways because the the CEO uh, of Bertram, Mark Paulus, kind of said as much when I was interviewing him about it. And he was basically to your point. You know, a lot of people assumed that Bertram was going to come right out of the gate because this is the first center console they've created in you know maybe 30, 40 years. So a lot of people assumed they'd enter that high performance market, compete against uh, Yellowfin and Valhalla and the rest of them. But no, they're really going for like the, that, I don't know, like that middle of the pack bread and butter, uh, people who really just want to, 
kind of like the sole ownership of a, of a smaller center console instead of like the tender crowd or the high performance crowd, uh, which was interesting because, yeah, I mean, yep, that, it's, that, it's a large market. It runs nice. It's wide. It's got a lot of liveaboard space. It's it still flies. It's still plenty fast. But I mean, the Valhalla is a sixty knot boat. It's a different animal. Completely different animal. Yeah, and yeah, I was impressed. It was very you know, tip with that wide beam. It made it uh, pretty seaworthy. And yeah, like Charlie's saying, I mean, this boat is still pretty fast. I mean, I think we saw forty three knots at the top end, or pretty close to it. So. Uh, yeah, n- nothing to scoff at by any means. Yeah, and honestly, the 50 was really fast too. That was a 36-knot boat, which blew me away because we stayed right with you guys. When yeah. we were running next to you, you were doing the performance numbers, Yep. which is always sort of weird because you're when you get to that speed, you guys know when you're not up on plane and it's just like really working hard yeah. as we're jotting down our information. And then once you get up on plane, you guys kind of outpaced us. But the 50, we hung with you guys. I know from, you know, f- that RPM range, it was only like the tail end, around 5,000, 6,000 when we kind of took off. But yeah. But the 51 footer was a really fun boat to drive. I was impressed with that. It had the man, so it was nice. Mm-hmm. Did we do like a, was there like a rock, paper, scissors, or was that always the case that we were going to? That was, we did that in the cabin of the oh, 51. Oh, that was a joke. Was it? Yeah, we were going to do some little like Instagram segment. I don't know. I think, I think it landed on the cutting room floor. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's, it sounds like a win-win. I mean, man, talk about uh, a builder on the move, too. I mean, it's hard to keep track of all the boats that are coming out with. You also reported on the 28 down at the Palm Beach show. That's right. Just received word they're coming out with a 28XC. I mean, it's... 33 center console to follow. That's right. That's and right. then... And I outboard's think... on the 35 at some point, right? Why not? 39? Yeah. So the 35. Oh, 35. I... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. The, uh, I think they're trying to enter that space of, like, that you guys kind of touched on it in another podcast episode, this like super console slash walk around. It's like, that's what they're, that's the space that they're looking to enter down the line, potentially. I'm interested to see what that'll look like. The 35 without boards, because it has the big engine boxes, which is, you know, harkens back to the 31 moppy right. look. Yeah. Um, but that will be a huge cockpit. If you were to throw outboards on that thing, that'd be a cool boat or will be a cool boat. It would. I really I think it would bring new life to it. That boat did well, really well out of the gate, but then kind of became really popular with the Bertram Fanatics. You know, if you really were into the, the old school design, those first couple of models, I think, went to previous Bertram owners and stuff. But to pair those with outboards, I think is really going to give it a second a second act. Charlie, does that change the way you'd fish that boat by any, by any stretch? Does does adding center, uh, sorry, adding outboards to it? changed it at all you'd probably fish it more like a center console you know i mean the one thing with outboards the only downside is if you're on a big fish is clearing the outboards so you obviously boat the fish on the side of the boat or something but not i mean i'm sure it would troll just fine and everything else like that it would give you a lot more room you could probably throw a big live well in there or leaning post i don't know what kind of budget we working with sign <laughs> You just tell me, man. I'm still wearing the Grunden sweatshirt that uh, I got. I'm, I'm ready. We're all wearing the free swag. Bertram Fanatics, though. Speaking of Bertram Fanatics, Dan. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was just thinking I have a pretty, pretty exciting sea trial coming up on a uh, 1974 28-foot Bertram Flybridge. And, you know, I was, I was thinking earlier of all the different sea trials I've, I've gotten to do and all these different boats – you know, some worth 
well, a lot more than I'll ever be worth. You know, we're talking million, multi-million dollar boats. And I can honestly say, uh, as, as we look to add a new family boat to the fleet, I've, I definitely have more nervousness and more excitement than ever. So it's, uh, it's kind of a fun feeling. When is that happening? That's going to be tomorrow. So we we got to, we got, no, what's today? (laughs) It is technically Tuesday, technically in two days. Still, wow. In two days. And it's it's coming up fast. So we got to get this, uh, get this issue under wraps so we can uh, go play on the water, hopefully. Maybe we can do the next episode out at the cove or something. I'm down. I'll do mine on the boat outside of of where we're recording this on the hard. I'll be, I'll be. Uh, there. We're going to get you back out there. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. Well, everyone, thank guys. It's great to see you in person. Sincerely, it's uh, it, it's been a long year, and I'm looking forward to chasing these stories and and doing more of these podcasts here in person. Amen. It's great to be here. <laughs> like you said, yeah. That's, Although it's a little, little cold for me, you know. It's a little chilly up here in New England for you. Yeah, the Florida boys. My blood has thinned out. Well, you know, Charlie, if, if ever there was a there was a theme to, to wrap up on, you talked about the excerpt, and I want to steal one of the last lines you wrote, and I'm going to tweak it just slightly. You basically said, with, with our job or fishing or boating, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. So, everyone, thank you for listening. The best way to support this podcast, if you enjoy it, is with a subscription to Power Motoyot. You can find us at pmymag.com. And until next time, let's get out of here, guys. Let's go. I'll see you guys on the water. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water.